So uh, we're going to be in Job chapter 11 to, uh, tonight. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Job chapter 11. And uh, last time I was on the pulpit, we did uh, Job chapter 10, and we did verses 14 of chapter 10 through to verse 7 of uh, Job uh, chapter 11. Uh, so we're going to do a little bit of a recap on what we looked at in Job chapter 10, and then we'll get into verse 11. So let's go ahead and start off with prayer, amen? Let's start everything in life with prayer, amen? Father in heaven, we come before you tonight, and I just thank you for this opportunity, even with those obstacles, Lord, and I do pray I don't, my nose doesn't start bleeding here on the pulpit, Lord, but even if it did, ministry will still go on, and I'll get right back up here and preach, Lord. So Father in heaven, though, uh, we love you, we, we praise you tonight, we love your word, it's a precious word, and it's something to live by and live in our lives, not just to read it, but to put it into action, Lord. And Father in heaven, you speak to us so loudly through your word. And your son, Jesus Christ, was so precious to us. He is our hope. And to be with you in your presence, and that's what the word prepares us for. It prepares us to live a righteous life and then to be in your presence, Lord. And that's what we look forward to. So tonight, Father, as we read your word, may my words be very, very few. May your words be many. May you speak to us loudly, Lord. And may today be the day of salvation for if there's someone out there listening and they want to know you. They want to know you way more than they knew you before today's message, Lord. We pray that, Lord. We pray that today will be the day of salvation for many. But Father in heaven, speak to us. We love you, and we praise you, Lord. And, um, and I pray this in Lord Jesus Christ's name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. So Job chapter 11, I, uh, I did name this message, Never Give Up What You Know About God. Never give up what you know about God. So to recap, I am going to again go through chapter 10. In chapter 10, we saw the following. We saw that Job said God knitted him together by himself. He was handmade by God. So God is our creator, not the world, guys. Evolution is not true. God is our creator, and it says that in the Bible. We read this in Isaiah 44, 24, for those of you who take notes. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer... And he who formed you from the womb. So what does that mean? If he formed us from the womb, right? That means he knew us before we were in the womb, right? So when does life start? Before we were even in the womb. And then God puts us in the womb. Handmade by God, the creator. So guys, what this means is abortion in chapter 10 is in opposition to God's word, amen? It's in opposition. And therefore, as Christians and followers of Christ, we should be in opposition to things like abortion, amen? It should be wrong to us. So if you're somewhere out there, someone out there who is a Christian but thinks it's okay, it's not. It's not, and it's not okay because I'm telling you, it's not okay because God's word tells us that, amen? Job understood he was handmade by God. Job knew life is through God. That means all life. Mortal life is through God, our spiritual life, and our eternal life. And here's the interesting thing I love that handmade, right? What do we do? We put a, a lot of significance, right? And it's special when something's handmade, right? We'll even pay more money for something that's handmade, right? You'll say to someone, oh, if it was made by a machine and there's thousands and thousands of them, it's not so special. But when something is handmade, you'll tell everyone, how about when you get a gift from one of your children, those of you who are, are parents, or even a loved one, and they tell you it was handmade for you. Isn't it special? It's special, right? And that's what you guys are. We're special to God. And every unborn child is special to God. They're handmade. So we learned that in uh, chapter 10. Job was bitter in chapter 10 at God. He believed God had took his children, his wealth, sickened him with a horrible physical sickness. Now we know that it wasn't God. God allowed it, but it was Satan who had asked for him. He believed God was not a just judge because he said, if, if I've lived this righteous life and then you've punished me as an unrighteous man, how can you be a just God, right? That's what he was questioning. But in his bitterness, I love this, as he's bitter, he stopped. And you guys might remember this. He stops to remember God's goodness and favor. God was good to him in the past. And he had God's favor in the past, right? God was the one who gave him his wealth. He remembered that. God gave me my wealth. God gave me my wife. God gave me my children, right? God gave me a relationship with him. So in trials, guys, we must remember from chapter 10, God is good. Remember all the daily blessings he gives us every day. If, I, if you guys looked at just today when you woke up 
and you started to count all the blessings. I'm talking about blessings about just waking up today, just breathing, putting your foot out of bed and walking, seeing, hearing, whatever it may be. I bet you could count hundreds of blessings. Amen? So Job remembered that in his bitterness. We must remember if God is for us, who can be against us? Right? King David said this, for those of you again who take notes, Psalm 35, 30 verse 5. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Now this favor, though, also comes by walking within God's will. For we also read this in Psalm 84:11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprighteously. Right? So when we walk within God's will, he wants to bless us, guys. He does love us. And here's the thing. So when I was thinking about favor last week, um, and I talked to Michael, our bookkeeper, about this. So for the audiovisual team, uh, we're buying a, a computer in order to do the lyrics on the screen and run the audiovisual for the live stream. And I had called Apple, and the first lady I spoke to a couple weeks ago said, "Hey, we'll, we'll give you five percent discount." And then there were some issues with um, us being tax exempt. And then when she said, just call back when you want and you can get the discount. So I called back about a couple weeks later after we decided on the equipment that we needed. And when I called back, I got someone who didn't want to give us a discount. Then I ended up speaking to someone in the business department. And they basically told us, you guys as a church have to spend $5,000. If you spend any less, we're not giving you any discount. And I said, but the lady told me, they said, I've never heard of that. I've worked here for 20 years. You're not getting So I hung up the phone. And I sat there and I said, well, man, Lord, but things are in my favor, Lord. I just taught that. So I sat there and I prayed. I said, Lord, let the next call be in my favor, right, for those you love. So I called. I get this young kid, and he might be watching the night. He said he would watch, and he would go to our website. And he says to me, I said to him, yeah, you know, we're a church, and we're looking for audiovisual equipment, and we're supposed to get this discount. And he says to me, I'm a Christian. I'm going to help you. And I said, amen. So we start talking. He goes, and I'm not going to give you 5%. I'm going to give your church 10% off. And I said, amen, Lord, I just prayed this, and now it's in my favor. The greatest thing is that he, I, I mentioned that I would be teaching, and we started to talk about Job. And he, he, he poured out his heart to me. He said, my grandmother just died recently. And he was in a, in a place of mourning, and he was, had a lot of questions about God. We talked for two hours about the Lord. And he said to me, this is what he said to me, verbatim. He said, Doug, I don't know how this happened or why you called in today. He said, but out of, there's thousands of customer service reps who work here at Apple, but I got your call. And I'm so happy I got your call because the things you said to me about God, I've never thought about before in my life. And he said, I need to go back to church. Amen. I said, amen. So not only did God put things in my favor, but God gave me a chance to share the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? Is he not remarkable? God is just amazing, and he never stops amazing me. Um, jo uh, Job tells God in that chapter also that he knows that God is omniscient, knows all things. So from the beginning of time, he knew that God would bless him. He's asking God, well, you knew you would bless me, but you also knew I'd go through these trials and would suffer. So Job's in a state of confusion, but he's still remembering, again, all the goodness of God and, no and remembering God's sovereignty. Job realizes God keeps track of sin and cannot let sin go unpunished. But again, he's confused because he hasn't sinned, right? That's what the friends are there telling him to repent for. Job assumes God is at war with him. And guys, and, and I love this about that chapter. God is not fighting against us. Let's remember this. God is fighting for our souls. He's fighting for us. We must remember who our enemy is and what? Who our Savior is. Amen? Always remember that. God's not your enemy. Job concludes that whether he is wicked or righteous, in chapter 10, he's still condemned. In the last study, we asked, does God punish sin? Yes, the answer is yes, right? God does punish sin. Or he wouldn't be a just judge, right? He has to punish sin or he wouldn't be a just God. The judgment and discipline and or punishment for sin, though, guys, is different for unbelievers as it is for believers. For believers in Jesus, all our sin, past, present, and future, guys, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, it was nailed to that cross. Test Talistai, it is done. Your sin is as far east as from west. So don't get hung up on who you used to be. Walk in who you are now, a new creation in Christ, right? He says he gave you a new life, amen? 
We will never be condemned for our sin because of Jesus. Romans 8.1 says this, there is now no condemnation for those who are in who? In Christ Jesus. Thank you, Pastor Tim. Job then asked God, if you were just going to make me suffer, then why was I born? Now, I don't know about you, but I've actually said that in my life before I walked this closely with Christ when I was younger, and maybe many of you have too. Why was I even born? This life is so hard. Do you think Job's mother wanted him to be born a stillborn as he was asking? Right? We, we looked at this in the last chapter. No. Do you think she was blessed by her beautiful child in all those years? Of course she was, right? Was Job's wife blessed? Of course she was by him being born. His wife had a righteous husband who gave her children and provided for her. Amen? How about his servants? Do you think they were happy Job was their master? He gave them shelter, food. He gave them a job. And he was a righteous man. So we can assume he was just towards them and fair. Amen? Job closes chapter 10 by asking God to go away, to leave him alone so he can have a little bit of comfort before he dies. Remember, he was really sick at this point. He's got sores all over him. He's sitting in the ash heap in the middle of town where they burn all the garbage. Kids are making fun of him. People are walking by, it says in the Bible, spitting at him. Okay? It gets to that in the later chapters. He's in a bad position. It said, remember when his friends came to see him, he was so disfigured they couldn't even recognize him. Be like me getting up here tonight and you can't even recognize me. Now, some of you probably don't recognize me because of the new hairstyle. The new hairstyle is what happens when you're in quarantine for two and a half months. Okay, there's no barber shops, and then you start saying, hey, you know what, I think I'd look okay bald. And you have your wife shave your head. I even had a mohawk. Maybe some of you saw it on, on Facebook, but I assured Pastor Dave it would be gone by the time I got up here. So he closes chapter 10 with asking God, just go away, leave me alone. We should never ask God to leave us alone, Right? Because going through trials and tribulations, isn't it hard, hard enough going through them, having the hope of Jesus Christ? Can you imagine not having Jesus, not having that hope, not having that peace, right, of knowing what's the eternal perspective? Can you imagine? But that's where Job was. He thought his life was a waste. But even when we don't think God is working, like that song we sing, what is he doing, Tim? Pastor Tim, he's working. He's doing things we couldn't even imagine. Amen, guys? So chapter 11, we'll pick up there. Uh, like I said, in the last, time, the last time I taught, we went to verse 6. So I'm going to go ahead and start. Let's go ahead and read verses 1 through 6 of um, Job chapter 11. And then I'll give you the outline for verses 7 through 20. Chapter 11. Then Zophar, the Nahamite, answered and said, should not the multitude of words be answered? And should a man full of talk be vindicated? So what he's saying is, um, you just keep talking and talking, and you think if you keep talking, somehow your sin's going to go away, and you expect to be justified by just because you're trying to distract us and just keep talking and saying things? Verse 3, should your empty talk make men hold their peace? And when you mock, should no one rebuke you? For you have said, my doctrine is pure and I am clean. And I am clean in your eyes. But oh, that God would speak and open his lips against you. That he would show you the secrets of wisdom. For they would double your prudence. Know therefore that God exacts from you less than your iniquity deserves. Pretty powerful what he's saying to Job and that he's coming from that point of view. Basically a point of view of just being mean towards the man. Zophar calls Job basically a windbag. You just keep talking and talking and you, and you never stop talking. You just make speech after speech. Zophar basically tells Job, you think if you talk a lot, like I said, you'll be forgiven your sin. And here's the thing, in a multitude of words, guys, we've heard this many times, what sin is not lacking and the thing is, is Job and his talking through the chapters started as he sinned against God in accusing him of being an unjust God. But now his friend Zophar here is now going to also sin because he's going to accuse Job of committing sin that he didn't commit. He's the accuser of the brethren. Amen. So again, multitude of words, guys, sin is not lacking. 
Zophar keeps talking, and he uh, said that already. He falls in the sin. Verse 5, Zophar said, Zophar said, if only God would open his mouth to speak against you, Job. But he hasn't, so you know what, Job? I'm going to go ahead and do it, right? And we better be very careful when we speak on behalf of God. For me, I don't need to speak on behalf of God. I take the Bible, and God speaks for himself, amen? So here's the thing. Zophar is, and what he says in verse 6, you just can't even, can't even believe. He says, I'm going to speak for God. And he says, if God would show you, basically saying wisdom, you'd be more cautious with your words, or you'd be judged by your words. God makes you suffer less than you actually deserve for your sin, Job. Now, here's the craziest part, right? So here's a man who's beaten down, who's gone through a lot, and he's suffering, right? And the guy just wants to kick him while he's down. And I mean, could you imagine having Zophar in our church, right? Right now, Pastor Dave just came out of surgery. Imagine if Zophar was Pastor Dave's friend, right? Dave just had surgery. Well, you know what? You got less than you deserve. I'm not bringing you any meals. I hope the other shoulder has to have surgery too. That's what it's like saying, right, to Pastor Dave. But no, what? We want to be loving and caring, right? We're over there wanting to serve Dave. And that's how we should approach when people are suffering. But this is how Zophar was. And again, he was the harshest of the three friends. Now, if you have your outline, we'll go ahead and take a look at it. And we'll see today in chapter 11, verses 7 through 20, what we're going to be looking at. So it's point number one. Can, uh, I titled the message again, Never Give Up What You Know About God. Point number one. Can we know everything about God, guys? No. But that doesn't mean we can't know anything about God. God has chosen to reveal certain things, some of the deepest things about his character and his spirit to us through his spirit. Amen? Point number two, we'll see that God sees deceitful men and he sees wickedness, right? Even when men can't see it. But God's not accountable to us, we must remember. We're accountable to him. If Jesus visited your house today, guys, right? I don't know what goes on there. You don't know what goes on in my house. What would Jesus see, right? Would it be pleasing to him? Point number three, deliver the truth in love. Our knowledge of God is a tool. It can tear down, guys, or it can build up. Effective ministry, and I can tell you this from the bottom of my heart, and Tim could tell you this, and Josh could tell you this, and Pastor Dave would definitely tell you this. Effective ministry delivers the truth in an abundance of grace and love. Amen? Point number four, Sorrow's memory is not always a sorrow still. <clears throat> we read this in Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Amen. Point number five we'll see today. God cannot be bartered with through the prosperity gospel. God can't be bartered with or negotiated with, guys. And if you don't know what bartered means, bartered is a term we use in marketing it's basically when one company trades its services for another company's service. You do this for me, and I'll do this for you. And then you do this for me, and I'll do this for you. And healing is not solely based upon a person's faith. No trial or suffering, if we remember, Pastor Dave says it all the time, is wasted, right, guys? No suffering is wasted by God. God is always working according to his purpose. And cling to God's word and hold on to what you do know about God. Amen? So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, verse 7, uh, we'll read 7 through 9. Can you search out, Job, this is again Zophar, can you search out, Job, the deep things of God? Can you find out the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than heaven. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol. What can you know, Job? Their measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. It's like, let me tell you what I know about God, Job. He's so much greater than you. There's no way you could possibly know him. He's beyond your understanding. But Zophar has not told Job anything that the other friends hadn't already told him, right? There's nothing new here. He's just basically repeating it again. And Job never disagreed with him, if you remember. He never, he knew God was great. He never denied that God was great. Let me ask you a question again. This is from the outline. Can we know everything about God? Can we? No. But that doesn't mean we can't know anything about God. Can we search out, like he said, can you search out, Job, the deep things of God? Can you find out the limits of the Almighty? Let me ask you this. Can we know deep things about God? What's the answer? Yes. 
we can know deep things about God because he's chosen, and we know these deep things because he wants an intimate relationship with us, right? Isn't that beautiful? He's chosen to reveal things about himself, guys, through his word. So if you want to know him deeply, you've got to be in his word. But understanding deep things starts with a love for God, right? Because we're not going to want to know someone deeply if we don't want them or don't like them. And we read this in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 Corinthians 2, chapter 2, 9 through 10. But as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who what? For those who love him. But God has revealed them to us, us guys who love him, through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, and what? The deep things of God it searches. So I ask you again, can we know deep things about God? Yes, we can. So the next question would be, because according to that verse, do you guys love God? Do you love him? You think about him all the time? Wake up thinking about him? Go to bed thinking about him? Thinking about ways you can bless other people through his spirit? Thinking about coming to church? Can't wait to pray? We usually spend a lot of time, and Josh went over this, I remember in his sermon on Sunday, I believe it was. We spend a lot of time with people we love, don't we? And things we love. So I'll ask you this. Are we spending enough time with the one we claim to love? Are we? I want to exhort you. Read God's word a lot. You want to know him deeply? You want to see him do amazing things to your life? Cling to this Bible. And I love this. His word, guys, when you read it and you saturate yourself in it, the word grows grace and peace in our lives. I just taught through in the men's ministry, and many of you have joined me. First Peter 1-2 says this when I was teaching through Peter, and I loved this verse. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the what? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So grace and peace be multiplied, but in what? In the knowledge of who? Jesus. You want more grace and peace in your life? Seek Jesus even more today than you did yesterday. I also want to exhort you, fellowshipping with his family, your brothers and sisters at church. Are you the first to leave when you get here? As soon as the sermon's over, I got to get out of here. Got to go. Are you the one who sticks around and fellowships with your brothers and sisters, iron sharpening iron, right? Loving to be in God's house. I got to, you know, Josh and, and some, many pastors can attest to this. Sometimes when you end up on this pulpit because you never leave. Like, that guy never leaves. He's always here. Is that the men's ministry? Is it the prayer ministry? You guys never leave. We might as well just give him something to do. I guess he said, well, let's just let him preach. <laughs> Amen. Do you listen to what God enjoys listening to? I know when I'm in the car with my wife, right, we have this thing in, on Spotify where I get a song uh, and then they put it in the queue. My kids put it in the queue. I don't even know how to put it in the queue. I just say, hey, Leah, put this in the queue because I, I don't even know how it works. But she puts it in the queue And I listen to what my wife wants to listen to. Why? Because I love her, right? And I want her to have, what is going on here? There's things falling. All right, there's glitter now falling. (laughs) Pastor Dave, I I had nothing to do with things falling from the ceiling. I'm just letting you know. I had no idea who did But guys, are we listening to things that God would love to listen to? Are we watching things that God would watch with us? Are we talking with God daily? We're talking with God daily. How do we talk to God? Through prayer. Pray without ceasing, right? Are we praying, guys? Are we praying for one another? Are you praying for your family? Giving to him financially. Because it's a blessing to give to those we love, isn't it? Right? Isn't it better to give than receive? When you give a gift and you see how much it lights someone's face up, right? Well, if we love God, are we giving to God? Ministering to others by being a servant to others. We're putting others first. You've heard it said joy. Jesus comes first, others, and then yourself. Make your relationship with God the number one priority in your life, guys, and see how much of himself and the deep things of himself he wants to reveal to you and will reveal to you and about him and his son and his spirit. Amen? So Zophar asked Job also in that verse, he said, can you find out the limits of the Almighty? Again, I'll ask you, can we know the limits of God? 
No. The answer is no. In his self-contained divinity, right, he's so large, no, we can't. It's impossible. That's what makes him God. We can never fully know the limits, but can we know some of the limits of God because he's chosen to reveal some of his limits to us through his word? Yes, we can. I'll give you one, such as God cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. And he's chosen to reveal that limit to us. So what that means is I can trust God. If he says it, it's true. And we read this in Titus 1, 2, chapter 1, verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. So guys, we can know some of God's limits. Another one, God does not change, right? Hebrews 13, 8 says this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. You know what that means? What he says in the Bible is going to happen. What he said before is going to happen. What he promised us in eternal life, it's going to happen. And he's not going to change his mind. Amen? How many times have we known people and we depend on them, they change their mind from one minute to the next, and, and you're like, wow, I can't depend on this guy. He says one thing and does another. Jesus does not do that. God does not do that and rest in that. It's one of the things I hold on to. And then, so again, guys, we can't know everything about God, but that doesn't mean we can't know anything about God. Job, uh, we'll read chapter, we'll read chapter chapter 11. We'll read verse 10 through 11. Let me take a drink of water. Verse 10. If he passes by, imprisons, and gathers to judgment, then who can hinder him? For he knows deceitful men, Job. He sees wicked also. He will not then, will he not then just consider it? So he's saying, Job, when God passes by, he sees evil. And he will gather those men who do evil to be judged. Verse 10, he says, then who can hinder him? In other words, God, our judge, God's not accountable to us, Job. We're accountable to him, and we can't stop or hinder him or prevent him from his judgment. And we do know this. God will judge, right? And that gives me, again, it makes me feel comfortable and makes me feel good because there are a lot of people on this earth who didn't get what they deserved, right? Really evil men. But we know God will judge them one day, right? They didn't get away with it. But, guys, he's also a loving God. Asking us, he asked us to be obedient to follow his commandments. Those who love him will follow his commandments. And why does he ask us to follow his commandments? For our own good, because he wants us to live a good life, a blessed life, and to keep us safe. And he wants us to follow his commandments, so he doesn't have to discipline us. You know what, I can say this. The last time I stood, and I'll say the last time I stood before a judge in a courtroom, and I was sentenced, it was 28 years ago. Many of you probably don't know that about me. Um, and here's the thing, I'll never forget this, and Josh, Pastor Joshua knows this, teaching the children's ministry. I was teaching one day, and I've said this story before, I was teaching one day, and I mentioned to the kids that I had gone to jail. And then I moved on to my next point in the verses that I was teaching. Josh's daughter, Jojo, raises her hand, and I can see her out of the corner of my eye. So I stopped finally after about two minutes, and I said, yeah, Jojo, you have a question. She goes, yeah, I do. Can you go backwards and back up about two minutes to where you said something about you went to jail? I said, yeah, I did. Now, obviously, I was using it within context for ministry, right? Um, But I haven't stood before a judge in 28 years, guys. Why? Because I follow what this book says to do, right? I live the life with, I want to live the life I desire and try to live the life that was in God's will. And when I'm within God's will, I don't have to worry about going to jail or getting arrested or doing something that's going to put me in there because I'm not doing those things. When we choose to listen to God, when we choose not to listen to God, right, what happens? Destruction and problems, and we end up in jail, right? Some of us. <clears throat> and we end up destroying the, people, the lives around us like Saul did, Right? If he just would have been obedient to God, his son probably would be alive, Jonathan, right? And his armor bearer wouldn't have done what he, what he did. 
But guys, it brings destruction when we don't do what God desires us to do. If you use drugs, what happens? You end up in jail. That's what happened to me, using drugs, selling drugs. I ended up in jail, right? We lose our jobs. We can lose our wives. We can lose our children. What if we commit adultery? The same, right? We lose our families. We hurt them. We hurt people around us. And sometimes it's beyond repair, right? You lose your wife. So adultery, drunkenness, drug abuse, lying, robbery, fornication, greediness, idolatry, and murder, all of these and more separate us from God and his will. Like Joshua said, and I told him I, I love what he said. He said, what belief has brought together, let not disobedience separate us from God. Right? Let not disobedience separate what belief has brought together. Zophar said, if you look at verse 11, if he passes by, he knows deceitful men. He sees their wickedness. So I ask you this. If Jesus passed by you today and came to visit you in your home, what would he catch us doing? What would he see us doing? Would it be pleasing to God or would it be something that puts us in opposition to God? Be doing what you're supposed to be doing when you're supposed to be doing it, Christian, right? And if you're having a problem doing it, then get help and seek the Lord, amen? Here's the good news, though. If you're a drunk, if you're an addict, if you're an adulterer, you're a deceitful man, Jesus died for your sins. Jesus will forgive you. You don't have to worry about coming to the feet of the cross. I worried about that for many years. For 10 years, I thought Jesus wouldn't take me for the things that I had done. And then when I came to the feet of the cross, I cried uncontrollably because I realized he's such a forgiving God that he could take me and do the most impossible things to the most improbable person who stands here before you. Amen? Guys, let's be about our Father's business, amen? But in order to forgive you, right, in order to take you in and make you new, he needs you to repent. He needs you to be sorry for what you've done, and he wants to have a relationship with you in that repentance. He will give you a new life. Jesus will meet you where you're at, but he'll meet you where you're at. But the beautiful thing is, like with me, he won't leave you where you are, Right? when you truly love him and you desire to have that relationship with him. He'll meet you where you're at, but he's not going to leave you where you are. Amen? Also in verse 11, Zophar is saying this, Maybe we can't see your sin, Job, but God knows a deceitful man. Do you expect God to just leave you alone, to not consider your, skin, your sin and not judge you? And if you're already a saved person, but sin has a stronghold on your life, and nobody else knows, right? That's what Zophar's saying. Hey, we may not know, Joe. We may not know what's going on because we're not with you 24 But God knows. He's seen what you've done. You're deceitful. You sin. You need to repent. But if you're a Christian, right, and something has a stronghold on your life, sin, and I don't know what it is, and nobody else knows, God sees it. God knows, right? And here's what I exhort you. It's time to start walking again within God's will, right? To break those strongholds in your life. And it starts again with repentance and accountability goes with it too. A good brother or sister in the Lord will want to help you. Reach out. If, if you're struggling with sin, reach out to this church. Pastor Dave's phone number is on the website. Pastor Tim, me, Josh, and other brothers and sisters in this church want to be there to help you break those strongholds. But the first thing is you have to be accountable. If we're not accountable to anyone, it says to confess our sins to one another, right? And to confess them to God. But guys, a lot of times we need help. We can't do it alone. We need the Holy Spirit and we need the counsel of mature Christians, right? To help us get through those things. So if that's you out there, don't hold back. God wants to help you. He wants you to persevere, amen? Zophar told Job, God is just judging you for your sin. And then verse 12, we'll go ahead and read. <clears throat> For an empty-headed man will be wise, Job, but a wild donkey's, uh, excuse me, for an empty-headed man will be wise when a wild donkey's colt is born a man. He's like, Job, you're an idiot, and the only, you, you won't ever be wise. You know when you'll be wise? When a monkey becomes a man or a fish becomes a man. That's basically what he's saying. And that was a little shot at our evolutionist friends, right? 
I'll believe something when you show me a monkey actually turns into a man, which will never happen. But that's what he's telling Job. You're an idiot. In Proverbs, it says this. Wisdom doesn't come from a fool. That's what Zophar means. Job, wisdom won't come from a fool and you're a fool. You see, in verses 8 and 9, Zophar did give Job truth. That God is great in height, in width, and in length, and in divine wisdom. It's unfortunate, though, as much as Job knew about God's heights and depth and wisdom, he didn't fully understand about God's grace, mercy, compassion, and love. Wouldn't it have been awesome if he would have known more about that? Guys, are we supposed to deliver, deliver the truth to people? Are we? Yes. Are we supposed to do it in love? Yes. And that's what Zophar didn't do. Truth and love, Ephesians 3, I'm going to read you 3, 17 through 19. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 through 19. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in what? In love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is, and get this, the width, the length, and the depth, and the height to know the love of Christ who passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, the knowledge of God. It's in love. But Zophar was mean. We talked about that. Our knowledge of God is like a tool, guys. It can tear down or it can build up. And it made me think of this. I don't know why. Sometimes the Holy Spirit just tells you things. <laughs> like a two-by-four. A two-by-four piece of wood, it can be used in so many different ways. Tim's really handy. I'm sure Tim's used a two-by-four in unbelievable amounts of ways that I would never even know or even try. Okay. It can drive a nail. I remember being camping. I would take a two-by-four, a piece of wood, even the piece of camping, right, when you were going to burn for the uh, fire, I would take that and I'd drive in the stake, right? So it can drive in a nail or a stake. As a jack, it can be used as a jack to raise a car off the ground, right? Uh, to hold the bugs that a woodpecker will eat. That's what he's doing when he's pecking on the wood, by the way. He's eating the bugs that are inside of the wood. It can be used to frame a house for shelter, that two-by-four. can be carved into a beautiful sculpture, right? We've seen wooden sculptures. It can be carved into the image of a man and given as a gift to someone. Or it can be used to hit someone over the head and hurt them. That's what Zophar used his knowledge of God for. He had this knowledge of God. And he's like, I'm going to hit you over the head with it instead of using it for something that could have been beautiful. If you want to have an effective ministry, deliver the truth in love. Amen? Love God. I said this when I started. Love God. Love his word. Love the people. Don't be mean to people. Be good, kind, gentle, and loving, using the fruits of the Spirit. That's ministry. Amen? And it took me a long time to realize that. That's ministry. Ministering to people and loving people. Amen? I've told you this a million times. Pastor David said, hey, you stop loving the people, we're going to have a problem. Amen? Right? He tells the elders that. Stop loving the people, we'll have an issue. Uh, let's read uh, verses 13 through 14. If you would prepare your heart and stretch out your hand, if you would prepare your heart and stretch out your hands towards him, if iniquity, iniquity were in your hand, and you put it far away, and you would not let wickedness dwell in your tents. So again, Job, fix your heart towards God and stop denying your sin. Just repent and remove sin from your tent, your home, is what he's saying. So then what would happen so far? That's the next question. Okay, if I did that, what would happen? He says, then surely you could lift up your face without spot. So what he's saying is God will heal you. The sores on your face, the sickness that you have will go away, Job. It'll be gone if you just repent, have faith in God, go back to whatever it was before that you had when you were walking with God closely and he blessed you and blessed you and blessed you. Verse 16, because you would forget your misery and remember it as waters that have passed away. I'm going to read that verse again. This verse made me think a lot. 
I spent a lot of time on this verse. Because you would forget your misery, Job, and remember it as waters that have passed away. All this suffering you're going through, Job, will be behind you, and you will remember it no more. No more than a flood that dries up on the ground once the summer months come. What he's saying is like this, is there's people who've lived in communities, right? And they used to have a lake, right? You've ever seen that? But the lake's gone because it dried up for whatever reason, and they barely remember it was there anymore, right? Or when we have a flood, right? We've had floods and landslides, but when we drive past those places in Santa Barbara, we don't even remember it was there. Someone actually mentioned it to me recently who lived there in the time of all the mudslides. He said, do you remember when? I said, no, I, I forgot. I forgot, right? That's what he's saying. Like water that dries up. It's an interesting verse I said to you earlier for me. Let's say you haven't sinned, but tremendous suffering has happened to you or tremendous suffering to a family member, a child, or your mother, or your father. When we are going through the trial, we have a certain perspective, right? We see it a certain way. But that perspective can change of that trial, right? Once one year passes, two years passes, three years passes, four years, maybe 10 years down the line, right? It might look different as to how that trial or that suffering looked as it was happening. I've heard... um, I'm going to read you this. This is Romans 8.28. This is what I mean by that. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, right? So even during that tough time, things can look different. and we may see the good that it was once it's 10 years away. I've heard it said, sorrow's memory is not always a sorrow still. Again, sorrow's memory, guys, is not always a sorrow still. My stroke, many of you know I had a stroke when I was uh, 35 years old. I'm 47 now. It's been 12 years. Half of my brain's gone, the back of it. I think I've told you before, one of my friends who me and Pastor Dave worked with said, man, Doug, I'm surprised you can even function because you had half a brain to start with and now you lost the other half. You got no brain at all. It makes sense. Right? When I had my stroke, it was horrible. It was horrible, guys. And I even questioned God's righteousness. And I, and I questioned him being fair. And I remember, I was like, God, I've served you. Why did this happen? But you know what? And this is the craziest thing to say. And I, and that stroke's brought me so much joy. The reason I'm standing up here, I think, on this pulpit, is because of that stroke. I think I'm preaching here today because of what happened. You know why? Because I kept saying yes to everything at church. After the stroke, hey, Doug, can you do VBS? Yeah, I'll do that. Hey, Doug, can you do some worship for the men's ministry? Yeah, I'll do that. Hey, Doug, do you think you can serve? Yeah, I'll do that. Hey, Doug, yep, 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 yes, 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 yes. And then I guess it finally led to here, right? God had a calling on my life that I never saw or realized. Me and Joshua talk about that all the time. We say in a million years, bro, did did we ever think we'd be here preaching? Right? When I met Pastor Dave at work for the first time, and, and I thought, man, this, this guy had like 20 Red Bulls and like four coffees and a Mountain Dew. This guy's got too much energy. Never in a million years that I thought he'd be my co-laborer in ministry today, but God had a plan, right? And Pastor Dave didn't know about my stroke, but it's how I kept saying yes to everything and serving in ministries. The stroke actually, guys, made me closer to God. And in that stroke and in that time, I clung to Jesus and his promises. Now, so here's the thing. I still have memories of, I still have sorrows, memories of my stroke. I remember it. But it does not bring me sorrow still. See what I'm saying? I actually look on it fondly. It's the weirdest thing. Now, that's my experience, right? I know many have gone through a lot more incredible suffering than that. But God loves you and God sees you. And he is working all things for good, if you believe. Do you think Job looks back right now, like I look back on my stroke, do you think Job looks back right now with a different perspective, knowing what God used his story for? You think he looks at it differently now as he's in heaven and he sees all that God's done for it, for him? Job is my favorite book. That's why I taught it. I love this book. 
Job probably looks back and he goes, you know what? Uh, sorrow's memory is not a sorrow still. I see what you were doing, God. I see your purpose for my life. I see your purpose that you had for my suffering. Remember, no suffering is ever wasted. God uses it for his glory. So let God use your story for his glory. Whatever you've gone through, if it can minister to someone, if it can lift someone up, if it can have compassion for someone, if it gives you empathy for someone, and you're able to say, I've been in your place before. I can talk to people now who've had strokes. I've called them. I remember uh, there was a friend in church who told me my friend had a stroke, and I called him personally. All right? Suffering's not wasted by God. I exhort you, in your trials, Jesus understands your pain. You're only going to find understanding and peace through Christ, though, in these trials and in your suffering. You're going to find peace in drawing close to Jesus. Jesus will give you peace beyond understanding when you have an eternal perspective. And here's the thing. If you're going through something that's really tragic right now, and your body's breaking down, maybe you have cancer, one thing we know for sure as believers, right, is God going to heal you? Maybe not here on earth physically, right? Here on earth. But is he going to heal us? You won't have cancer in heaven. You won't be able to not walk in heaven. You're going to walk. You're going to have new legs. If you're blind, you're going to see. Amen? You're going to see things you've never seen before. Does God want to heal everyone? He does. Not here, maybe not here on earth, but does he want to heal everyone spiritually and wants to give them eternal life and wants to give them new bodies that are not broken? Yes, he does. He's a loving God. He cares. And I may not understand why. You may, at times, I don't understand. Like when I was going through my stroke, I didn't understand why I was going through that. I had no clue. I was like, what is going on here? But in the end, he ended up giving me peace through scriptures. I remember I read through the whole book of Psalms. Right? We tend to go to Psalms when we're looking for comfort. And he gave me peace. And here's the deal, guys. If you can find peace in Christ through a trial, you don't need to know why. I'll take peace all day over knowing why. God, you don't have to tell me why. Just give me peace through it all. And my peace is knowing what lies ahead, right? Heaven's better, amen. Now, I've heard someone say heaven's better. Have you heard that before? It's from probably some guy sitting at home with his comforter, snuggling up with his Bible, taking a picture of the TV. Right, Pastor Dave? I think he said that. Heaven's better, Amen. Love you, bro. So verse 17. <clears throat> and your life would be brighter than noonday, Job, if you repent. Though it were dark, you would be like the morning. So he's like, you're in a dark place right now, Job, but you know what? It'll all go away instantly, and life will be full of prosperity if you just admit you're a sinner and repent that you're not righteous. <clears throat> verse 18. And you would be secure because there is hope. Yes, you would dig around you and take your rest in safety. You would also lie down and no one would make you afraid. Yes, many would court your favor. Now, what he, Job said this to God, um, what he's referring to here in this verse. Uh, Job said this in chapter 7, verse 13. Job said, when I say my bed will comfort me, my couch will ease my complaint, then you scare me with dreams and terrify me with visions. Job had said that, and now he's referring back to it. Hey, like your nightmares will go away, Job, if you just repent, because he remembers when Job said that. And Job really believed God was giving him nightmares in his life, again, just to twist the nail in him that was already there to crush Job. He's like, now you're just giving me nightmares. I can't even sleep. So that's what Zophar is referring to. It's like, hey, that'll all go away. Just repent. So Zophar is telling Job, repent. Your nightmares will go away. God will just good, give you good dreams for now on. Everyone will want to be your friend, Job, and want to be around you. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but... Um, when I came to the Lord, everyone didn't want to be around me. I don't know. I lost a lot of friends. In fact, I had no friends. Came to the Lord, they all went away. And it was a good thing. And I also chose, I knew I had to be away from them. But people started to persecute me, right? People laugh at Christians. They make fun of us. Uh, they think we're basically living in bondage full of rules from a dictator. And uh, people just don't want us around, right? They just don't want to be around us. Why don't they want to be around us? 
because the gospel is a stone of offense to them. They don't want to hear about Jesus. We invite that guy to the party, and he's going to talk about Jesus. We invite that guy to the Super Bowl, oh, no, he's going to talk, he's going to give a sermon. I, I, love, I, I love this. Joshua was at my house Thanksgiving, and my son says to me, my son's probably watching right now, he's like, oh, Dad, what are you doing on the pulpit? I told Joshua this. My son says, Dad, Joshua was just walking around giving a, a two-hour sermon to everyone, right? But, right, you invite, hey, amen, praise God. And I said, and son, what's wrong with that, you know? And he's like, you do the same thing, Dad. You invite people over, you're just a sermon, you know? And, uh, but that's what we do, right? We can't, we can't stop talking about God. We love God, right? And uh, people want to know about God, too. They even may start off going somewhere where you're at, and they don't think they want to talk about God, but then you start talking about God, and then they start to ask questions. Amen? So, and then verse 20. But the eyes of the wicked will fail. So he's telling Job, all these good things will happen to you. But if you don't repent, in verse 20, the eyes of the wicked will fail, and they shall not escape, and their hope is death, loss of life. You'll die, Job. You're going to die. Now, keep in mind at the time, put yourself in Job's perspective through his eyes. He thought he was going to die too. Here he is with these swords. He didn't think he had much time left. That's probably why he got up the goal or enough confidence to talk to God in the way that he spoke to God. So he thought, this is it. In fact, actually, in one chapter, he says, where he said, just leave me alone. Just give me a couple days of peace before I, before I die. Don't repent of your sin, you're going to die. So a synopsis of what Zophar told Job in verses 13 through 20. Give me a second. What time we have? Okay. A synopsis of what Zophar told Job in verses 13 through 20. Repent, get right with God, and have faith, and then what will happen? You'll be healed of your sickness. All your problems, Job, will go away. You will sleep in peace with no bad dreams, nothing but sweet dreams. Everyone's going to love you. You will receive blessings beyond your wildest dreams. This sounds a lot to me, and I don't know about to you guys, like the prosperity gospel and faith healing. That's what he's telling him. This is a very dangerous doctrine, the doctrine of uh, prosperity gospel and faith healing uh, for believers and especially for new believers, especially for new believers uh, it's, it's very detrimental to their walk with the Lord. It's very dangerous. First of all, when we repent and have faith, do all of our problems go away? We just talked about that, right? No, no, they don't. In fact, a lot of times, we just get new problems, right? They're, they're new problems. Problems haven't gone away. In fact, when, um, so I, I already said this to you guys when I first repented what my life looked like. It also leads this mentality to a barter program like we talked about earlier. I give you something, you give me something, Right? I'll do this for you, God, if you do something for me in return. I'm okay with that, God, being obedient, but then I need you to give me this, right? So what happens is people come to the Lord about from, for what they can get from God, and maybe what they want and what they get, they want a healing. Maybe they want wealth from God. Question, does God heal people? Sure does. Yes, he does. Amen for those of you who got that right. Amen. <laughs> Paul himself, uh, now, but does God heal everyone because they repent of their sin? No. So does God heal people? Yes. Does God heal everyone because they repent of their sin? No. Paul himself had a physical ailment that we all know about, maybe not all of us, but that the Lord did not heal. 2 Corinthians 12 Verses 7 through 10, we read this. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in my flesh was given to me. So Paul's talking immediately about just keeping him humble. A messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest it be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times. Listen to those words. I pleaded with God. Do you think if God was going to heal someone, it would be Paul? Right? Who had so much faith, Right? was the father of the early church? Of course. I, so he says, I pleaded with God three times that it might depart from me, this, um, this thorn in his flesh. And he said to me, God said, my grace is sufficient for you, 
For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast, Paul says, in my infirmity. So in my sickness, I'd rather boast um, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my thorn in my flesh, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sakes, for Christ's sake, that when I am weak, then I am strong. In my weakness, Christ is made strong. Does this sound like a man who was bartering with God? No. It sounds like a man who accepted what God's purpose was in his life, and he gave him peace, what we talked about earlier, peace in his trial. To say, God, I trust you. I, I know you know what you're doing. And many who believe in this false doctrine of prosperity, when they are not healed or they are not made wealthy, they assume what? That God is not real. Or they just don't have, unfortunately, and this is the part with new believers sometimes, it crushes their faith. They just don't have enough faith for God to heal them. And they walk away from God because they feel, I'll never be good enough to be healed. So I've had family members, um, one in particular, I remember they came to me and uh, they had a real scare. It was like they had a couple strokes and they were calling me every day, pray for me, pray for me. And I prayed with them and they said, hey, I found the Bible you and your wife gave me for Christmas. I said, amen. I've been reading it every single day. Every single day, it's the only thing that gives me peace. That's what they told me. It's the only thing that brings me peace, man. And they were scared. And then they found out what the problem was. The doctor told them, this is what you did. Uh, they were actually taking some supplements uh, for muscle building or something. They got really sick. He said, stop taking that. You'll be fine. And I kept calling right, to do the Bible studies. They stopped picking up the phone. As soon as they were healed, was, they never picked up the phone again for me, right? And that happens. They only call upon God when they're in trouble. But you know what? I'll say this, guys, and here's the thing. Don't get discouraged. Praise God that they called me. Praise God that they dug the Bible up. Me and my wife gave them for Christmas six years ago that they hadn't read. Praise God that they came to the feet of the cross when they were in trouble, right? Because I hope that this family member comes back again, right? When he needs the comfort of Christ. And I hope he calls me. And you know what? I won't even mention what happened. I'll just pray with them and lead them to what God wants me to tell them and what God's word tells them to do. Amen? God loves them and wants to comfort them. So I pray they come back. Do you remember <clears throat> how this all started in the very beginning of uh, the book of Job? Satan made an accusation <clears throat> about Job, that Job repents and obeys God because God does, gives him nothing but good things in return. See, Satan was accusing Job of having prosperity faith. Satan was saying, he is a prosperity gospel follower. What he does is he follows you and he's obedient because all you do is give him things and bless his life. It's prosperity gospel and I'll prove it to you. <clears throat> but remember, Job did not curse God, right? Satan didn't get what he wanted. So maybe, like I said earlier, you're sick right now or if you've lost someone recently to a virus or a disease and you're wondering, why doesn't God heal everyone? Or why does God heal some but not others? And I'm going to remind you of this. Remember, God doesn't heal everyone on earth, and there's many different reasons why God heals or doesn't on earth. Some is just failure to ask, right? There's some people who don't walk with the Lord, and they just never ask, right? You don't ask, you shall not receive. God allows suffering. Number two is God allows suffering to help build perseverance, character, and hope. Romans uh, chapter 5, verse 3 and 4, we read this. We also rejoice in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produce perseverance, perseverance, godly character, and character brings hope. Okay? So God's building that hope inside of us. Another reason we suffer? For the furtherance of the gospel. Paul wrote in Galatians 4.13, uh, because of a bodily illness, I preached the gospel to you for the first time. When Paul was sick in Galatia, he had to stay behind. And they ended up hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ for the first time. Amen? Another reason why suffering happens to draw a prodigal son back to himself. 2 Corinthians 7.10. The sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret. Another reason for suffering? To train us to live a righteous life. Psalm 119. Before I was, David wrote this. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word, God. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes in faithfulness 
you have afflicted me. Another reason, suffering. Help us develop compassion. We talked about that earlier. Compassion, empathy, kindness, and sympathy for others. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, that we may be able to comfort those who, uh, who are in affliction with the same comfort we ourselves receive from God. Amen? Another reason for God's glory and praise in John 9, verses 1 through 3. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, I love this, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him for God's glory. Right? We know why, because at the end of that, he healed him and brought God, God glory. But God's always working for his glory in ways we can't even ever see. Guys, look, here's the deal. And for those of you who are suffering out there, going through a hard time, I don't have an answer to every question that you might have about suffering, right? In fact, in this book of Job, God never tells Job why. Never tells him why. Job knows now. God's understanding is far beyond mine. And his ways are far beyond our ways, guys. There are simply things that God is doing that we can't understand or know why, okay? No trial or suffering is wasted. God is always working according to his purpose. But here's what I'll leave you with, and it was the title of my message, Never Give Up What You Know About God. Never give up what you know about God for what you don't know. Again, never give up what you know about God for what you don't know. So what do I know about God? Here's what I know about him. He is infinite. He is sovereign. He is righteous. He is just. He is good. He is kind. He is helpful. He is faithful. He is patient. He is peaceful. He is forgiving. He is truth and he cannot lie. He is merciful. He is gracious. He is love and he loves you and he loves me. And he loved Job through all that suffering. He, God is just multiplied in suffering. His peace is multiplied. His mercies are multiplied. His grace is multiplied. Never give up what you know about God for what you don't know. That's what Eve did when Satan came. So let me show you what you don't know. Give up what you do know. And she did. And what came upon us? Death. But again, through one man, death is conquered and victory through Jesus Christ. As sin entered the world through one man, sin is conquered and we can live again and we can be in communion with God and reconciled through the Holy Spirit to Jesus Christ and his Father through one man, Jesus, on that cross. Eve was lied to, but Jesus tells us the truth. And he loves you and he cares about you. So again, never give up what you don't know about God for what you don't know. Cling to God's word and you'll know God and then hang on to what you do know. In a recap, what we looked at today again, can we know everything about God? No. But that doesn't mean we can't know anything about God. God has chosen to reveal certain things about himself to us through his word and his spirit. Point number two, God sees deceitful men and wickedness God is not accountable to us. We're accountable to him. If Jesus visited your house today, would you be doing what you're supposed to be doing to please him? Point number three, deliver truth and love. That's ministry. Our knowledge of God is a tool. It can tear people down or it can build people up. Effective ministry delivers love and truth and love. Amen? Point number four, sorrow's memory is not always a sorrow still. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good uh, for those who love God and that are called according to his purpose. Are you called according to his purpose? Do you love God? Point number five, God cannot be bartered with through the prosperity gospel and healing is not solely based upon a person's faith. No trial or suffering is wasted. God is always working according to his purpose and for good of those who believe. Cling to God's word. Hold on to what you know about God. Never give up what you know about God for what you don't know. Amen? And um, 822, if you're out there today, I want to do an altar call. If you're out there today and you want to know God, 
And there's many things that you don't know about God. And those things that you don't know about God have prevented you from knowing God. May today be the day of salvation. May be, today be the day you decide, I want to know this God that Job knew. I want to know this God that Job never cursed. I want to know this God where Job said, you know what, I'm going through the most extreme adversity, but I know God loves me and I'm not going to curse him. And he never did. He never gave Satan what he wants. If you want to know this God, um, then say this prayer with me, that you want to believe in Christ, that you want to leave that old life behind. So just pray with me if you want to know God today. Father in heaven, I want to know you. And I want to know your son, Jesus Christ. And I want to repent, Father, for being in opposition to you all those years. Forgive me. And I want to come before your throne and I want you to make me new. And you say, those who believe upon the name of Jesus Christ shall be saved. And I want to be saved. And I want you to change my life, Lord, from the inside out. I want to make this confession of faith. And I want to believe today. And what I didn't know, I want to push behind and I want to go forward in what I can learn and what I can know about God. I believe. And Jesus, just take my life and make it a blessing and a pleasure to you. If you said that prayer, the angels are rejoicing in heaven. And it doesn't stop there. Our phone number is on our website, cccalabasas.com, cccalabasas.com. Pastor Dave's number is on there. Call that number. We want to pray with you wherever you are because I know this is live stream. We want to get you connected to a good Bible teaching church and we want to send you, if you don't have a Bible, we're going to send you one for free and it's a nice Bible. No charge. We're going to send it to you for free because we want you to know Jesus and the Father and the Spirit. Amen. So let's go ahead and close in prayer and the worship group has already joined us up here. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time we have in your word, Lord. We come before you now, Lord, and worship, Lord, and closing off our service and praise of you, for you are worthy, Lord. And Father in heaven, even through worship, we get to know you more, Father, through the words we sing to you. You are our audience of one. Bless this time of worship. May we raise our hands, Lord, for you are worthy. In Lord Jesus Christ's name and all God's people said, amen. amen.